Welcome to the From Battle to Business podcast. In this podcast, business coach and fellow veteran Dean Van Dyke will bridge the gap between service and civilian life, helping guide veteran business owners to supercharge their business and unlock hidden profits. You wouldn't go into battle alone, and now you don't have to in business. Let's get to it. Good afternoon, and welcome back to From Battle to Business podcast with your host, Dean Van Dyke. And today I am extremely fortunate to have a fellow Navy veteran, Mr. Rob Leland. He's a creative public speaker, absolute phenomenal drummer. If you don't have him in your band, you're missing out. And a badass CEO at RSI Creatives. And he interviews some of the coolest rock stars. For example, and this is probably dating me, he's interviewed Air Supply. So. Yeah. Let's give you some of the, some of the caliber of the talent that Rob connects with. So Rob, how are you doing today? I'm good, buddy. And you, 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 by the way, you forgot a lover boy. Oh, lover boy. (laughs) So, so yeah, air supply, lover boy. I mean, there's so many, but those, those two I'm proud of because, you know, those guys are, they're legends, you know? They are. I remember to rock and I never had the hair like that, but I remember, you know, (laughs) jamming to the, in my car and, and uh, probably a few decades ago, I'll just leave it at that. But uh, <laughs> I I grew up on happy days too, buddy. <laughs> hey, now, now happy and, days was. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to make this interview horrible for you. I'm going to keep talking <laughs> over the top of you. That's the that's the world we live in now, though. When you do these interviews um, online, you don't have the eye contact to sort of signal to the other person that I'm done talking. So my apologies. Ah, no need to apologize. I, I remember sitting in, you know, when we did the podcast, uh, when I was a guest on your podcast and sitting there just recording it and looking at each other. And I mean, it was just, it was phenomenal experience and you're right. You know, like they say, you know, how many times a day do you hear, Hey, would you unmute? Right. Uh, but, uh, so, so Rob, how are things going? Well, uh, do you want the pat 10 second uh, uh, politically correct answer or do you want the truth? <laughs> Mr. Rob Leland, now you know me better than that, that I don't want the sugar coated sure. truth. I want to know how things are going and um, just, you know, the, the rock star superhero that you are. Um, and uh, so I just I want the unab- unabashed truth. Okay. Well, I will say that um, my life uh, has been full of challenges uh, since day, I don't know, 312. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's been a weird walk these last 56 years. And um, there's been, like all lives, there's been incredible moments. And, you know, the apogees, right? The, the, the tops of those rocket launches are, are sometimes extraordinary. And then, the, the, you know, the problem with those heights are the, the depths are pretty brutal and when you have i think like most people and i don't want to say most men but i think most everybody has some sort of midlife crisis or or at least a midlife crisis type experience um and 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 mine started right right around 2008 2009 and to be frank here in 2022 you know 13 years later i'm still in a bit of a crisis but it's it's waned quite a bit because I've, I believe I've found my purpose, which is to, you know, connect with humans and love on them and uh, teach other people that uh, they are not alone. And even though that's 
you know, something we hear in movies and TV shows and people say it, I think by default, I don't know how many people really actually care about somebody else's experience. They're just Mm. trying to weave themselves into yours. And, and I've found that through the last six years of talking to celebrities and folk heroes and up and coming artists, um, we're all the same, man. We're all equally awesome, broken, challenged, um, and motivated. We really are. Absolutely. And I, I just, I know, I know your story. Uh, I know we've been friends for a while mm-hmm. and you, you, you do have an amazing story and it's, <clears throat> you know, I love when we get together and have coffee and, you know, and, and I know we shake hands, but we also hug. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, you know, I look up to you, I mean, for the, some of the, you know, the things that you've done in your life and continue to do, uh, you're an amazing person. You've got an amazing family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm just, I, I'm, I'm ecstatic to be able to, to have you on the podcast and hear about who you are and, and what you're doing. And I know you just started uh, doing some voiceover work. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, I recently uh, got hired to do a, a book and um, I've uh, done a number of auditions for books and, you know, potential wannabes, commercials, that sort of thing for the last, uh, for the last few months. And, um, it seems to be going well, but, uh, like all things, it's a challenge and, um, I don't want to keep throwing this back, but, uh, you know, at 56, it's a weird thing to try out something new. Even if you feel like you might be good at it, uh, Mm -hmm. the learning curve is always there and you never stop paying your dues. So you just pick something and go, you know? No, and that's, I mean, you've, uh, you know, through the years, I know you've been in the mortgage business. You've, you know, I know that just with what you've done and, um, but, you know, circling back a little bit, I recall you're a sub former Submariner mm-hmm. and how, is, how did that experience, first of all, I don't agree with going, you know, underwater in a sinking ship. Uh, <laughs> I preferred the surface Navy, but, uh, sure. Um, so how does that experience <laughs> molded the person that you are today or helped, you know, helped you be who you are today? Sure. Well, then let me go back. If, if I can, let me go back a few months prior to going into the subservice and actually joining the service. Why did I join the Navy? If, if that's okay. Absolutely. Okay. So I joined the Navy because a girl broke up with me. nothing wrong with that and it's really quite true now here's the thing i had considered it for the last uh, three years prior so from the time i was 17 to the time i was 20 i had uh you know test driven everything from the army and the marines uh to the navy Mm -hmm. and uh in uh, the middle part of 1987 i was I was, uh, yeah, I was in a place where life just wasn't really going how I had envisioned it years before. And I knew I needed a change. And I remember my father had joined the service back in the late fifties and went overseas for a couple of years and, and talked nothing about, you know, nothing about it except for the great experiences he had and what he learned. 
And so one day I was coming back from my girlfriend's house and I, I literally saw a recruiting center. I was living in Portland at the time. I, I dinged the, I pulled the, the door ding on the bus <laughs> and um, I ran across the street and took the ASVAB test and um, aced it. And at the end of that, the, the recruiter asked me, what did I want to do? And I said, I don't know. And she said, well, we, we have open billets to, uh, to fill in the subforce, does submarines seem interesting to you? And I said, they seem interesting. I don't know if I would do any job, you know, if I would enjoy any job on a submarine, maybe it's a better way to put it. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, you know, you can go there and they, they call it striking. You can go in and you can strike for a position. You, 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 you basically spend a couple of weeks walking around the submarine, learning different jobs, and then you pick one and that becomes your official job eventually. And um, so I ended up joining the service and went through boot camp, and then went to sub school and realized, uh oh, <laughs> per perhaps this is not where I want to be. Um, but, you know, I was blessed with an extremely, uh, well, uh, just an absolutely fantastic uh, uh, crew and specifically the leadership, the, uh, you know, uh, ships, submarines, they'll have the same sort of command structure. So they have a captain and they have what they call an executive officer, an XO, um, usually a step down in rank. And then, you know, as it goes down all these officers and eventually you get to the senior enlisted and on the submarine it's called the Cobb, the chief of the boat. Hmm. And, over the two years I was on the submarine, I was only on one submarine, the Andrew Jackson, um, which was stationed on the East Coast. Fortunately for me, it was at the end of its lifespan. It was going to be decommissioned in 1989. So I was on subs for two years. And then when the submarine was being decommissioned, the chief of the boat called me into the uh, captain's office. And there was an entire board of uh, officers sitting in the, in the room with my dossier, you know, my folder mm -hmm. out in front of them. And they said, you know, this is what's happening with the sub. What would you like to do with your next, at your next command? And I said, I, I don't know what that means. They said, well, what, what would you like to do as an official job? You have to pick something. You can't, you know, you can't, uh, strike forever on a submarine. You have to pick a role. Mm -hmm. And I said, I, I, there's nothing I really like. I just don't enjoy, I don't enjoy sonar. I don't enjoy radio. I don't enjoy torpedoes. I don't, I'm not a mechanic. These are just the things that just don't work for me. I'm not a typical guy's guy. And um, that led me to say out loud, well, I play the drums. <laughs> nice. <laughs> to which, yeah. To which the chief of the boat laughed and said, well, you know, that's not something we're going to be doing on a submarine. And I said, I know. Um, but interestingly enough, even though we we left that meeting without an official answer, about two weeks later, I get a call to the Cobb's office and he says, you know what, Jones, I, I got to, by the way, my name is Robert Leland Jones. So just for the people who don't know that my stage name is Rob Leland, um, he says, you know what, Jones, uh, I got you an audition with the Navy band. And that Dean, you have no idea what, what an absurd thing that is to come out of somebody's mouth because it's not their job to shoo you off the boat. It's, it's their job to keep you there, right. you know, you know, and, and 
but he he cared about me. He was a very much a father figure. I'm still in touch with him. I, I fantastic guy. I believe he's you know in his 80s now. But uh, he got me an audition with the Navy Band in Charleston, South Carolina. And um, I went in and I passed that audition. And two months later, I was re-enlisting for another four years to be in the Navy Band. And I ended up doing seven and a half years in the service. So yeah, submarine to Navy Band. And then um, I got out in Seattle just in time to go bankrupt and get divorced. <laughs> well, there's a, there's always a... It's, it's amazing how, you know, the kind of the, the path we take, um, mm-hmm. within the service and, and, uh, you know, definitely have experienced what, not the divorce part, but the bankrupt part definitely have experienced that and the yeah. service, obviously, you know, we, <clears throat> so, so tell me a little bit more about your experience in the Navy band. I mean, that sounds, um, you know, I spent six years on active duty in the Navy and, was really underway for most of it. But so tell me, what was that experience like? Well, you know, it's, it's officially a shore duty billet. Um, basically meaning you're, you don't go to sea you, you know, there are, well, there were, it's, it's far, far different Navy now, but in the late eighties and early nineties, the Navy band, I believe had, I believe there were 13 bands, um, in, around the world. Now of which I think there are maybe six, there aren't that many. Um, And there was about 800 musicians in total. And our job primarily was was, uh, based around decorum. So we were there to greet ships when they came home from, you know, year-long sea trials. We we sent ships off for year-long sea trials. We performed at uh, a lot of officer functions, change, change of command. In fact, in um, 1992, I flew to Iceland for three days for a one-hour change of command ceremony. <laughs> uh, that was just what we did. We would uh, travel all over the world and play music for events, and it was uh, it was a wild experience. But I think the the thing that I liked the most about it was I had, you know, we we represented the Navy sort of on a cellular level. And what I mean by that is, is our outfits, our, everything had to be extremely, uh, for those who aren't in the military, the term is sat, you know, the mm, satisfactory. Right. Uh, if you were out of, out of alignment, you were unsat, right? And we didn't want to be that. So, so military is always required to look really, to dress impeccably, to be very, very, everything tightly pressed, everything, you know, all buttons laced, everything shiny. And the Navy band was an extreme version of that, but, but there was also a casualness to it. So um, it was a, it's, it's an a kind of an impossible thing to explain to most people, unless you're a musician. But if you are a musician listening to this podcast, I will tell you, it's an awful lot like being in a regular band. The only difference being you don't get to play the music you pick and, <laughs> um, and, and you have a government telling you yes or no all the time. That we did. Yeah, that we did. Yeah. yeah. But I, but I, but I, but, but for what it was, I did enjoy it. I mean, I'm, so I'm 56. I've been playing drums since I really technically, I would say I've always said four, but the reality is I got my first real drum set, professional drum set when I was seven. So I've been playing, you know, what is that? F- 45 years. 40, yeah, and, 45. 
that's a, that's a long time. And, or no, what am I saying? 40, 40, <laughs> wait, 40, wait, 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 you're, you're 40, 56. Yeah. 49 yeah. years, 49. 49. Years. Yeah. So, so, uh, gosh, I lost my train of thought, but you know, I've been doing a long time and that was, was an awesome thing. When I got in the Navy band, we had 10 hour rehearsals. So if you want to be an amazing musician, you know, if you're already a great musician and you want to be an amazing musician, join, join the Navy band, or if you can, you have to audition for it, but, but join that because man, that will change your game. I mean, I, I've never been as good as I was when I was in the service. Um, nowhere, I'm nowhere near as good as I was back then. It's, uh, it, it forces you because you're constantly, it's like Michael Jordan, you're constantly shooting baskets, mm -hmm. you know, all, all day long, 10 hours a day. So I got my 10,000 hours in way before I joined the service, but I got another 30,000 since I was in, you know, it was just, just extraordinary. Wow. That's, I can't imagine 10 hour rehearsals. That is amazing. Yeah. 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 Lots of, lots of time behind the drum set, lots of time singing, lots of time working on arrangements, um, really developing you into a fully formed musician. So again, the problem with the, the service in that regard is just, uh, the, you know, the lack of autonomy. You don't get to pick what you're doing. You don't mm -hmm. get to, you know, play the styles of music you want to play. Um, but fortunately they have everything from ceremonial bands to rock bands. And so if you don't mind wearing a, an ice cream man's outfit, um, you're, you're, you can be a rock star for a while. <laughs> ice cream outfit. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Those summer whites, man. <laughs> summer blinding whites. That is for sure. Bell bottoms. Yeah. 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 Not much has changed there. <laughs> no, no. Not Very much has changed. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, uh, I, I would agree. Yeah, there's nothing, nothing uh, more hardcore than trying to play Pearl Jam's "Even Flow" with your summer whites on. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, different times. Those and the whites and the Cracker Jacks. Gotta love yeah, them. Yeah. So if you so thinking about so we just talked about 49 years, but if you could go back to your 18 year old self. Mm -hmm. What piece of advice would you give yourself? Well, I still say this all the time to myself. Um, but so, so artists are weird, Dean. And I, I don't know how to how much, you know, you would consider yourself a creative in the, in the traditional sense of being an artist, like a musician or a painter or, or anything of the like. But, you know, we're, we're a handful. And I think most artists tend to think they, they, they attach themselves to an end result. You know, someday I'm going to be X, you know, some, mm -hmm. uh, by the time I'm 27, I'm going to sell a million records and I'm going to be on the tonight show, that kind of idea. And when those dreams um, or that, you know, that sort of strange ambition doesn't meet up with the reality you've projected, um, mm -hmm. It can be catastrophic, you know, and when you introduce things like love and marriage and children, the idea of achieving any of those things dwindles away quickly because, of course, now you have new responsibilities. Mm -hmm. So, so really, I mean, my main thing would be to tell anybody who's interested in the arts in any way shape or form is do not commit yourself to other things that require 
you know, your, a time commitment or, a, you know, a, a personal commitment, you know, like a, like a relationship, but, you know, whether it's a marriage or a girlfriend or, mm-hmm. or children, it, they deserve your full attention. But when you're trying to quote unquote, be the next thing, you know, to, to be a somebody to, 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 you know, to get rich or get famous or be a celebrity because you think that's what's cool, you know, um, you're going to have a pretty rough go at it. And, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of musicians have walked away from the business because they made commitments to the life that they shouldn't have. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was one of those guys. I, the only difference was, is I worked uh, three jobs and made it work anyway. I just kept going, kept going, never stopped. Well, that's one thing that I see with you too, is you, you never stop. I mean, you, I mean, when you, when I think about, uh, I've got a sign in my wall, it says the devil whispers, you cannot withstand the storm. And the warrior replies, I am the storm. And I think mm-hmm. about you and, and you, you are that storm. I mean, you, yeah, we all get, we get down that, that I mean, who doesn't, right. Everybody it does that, but what I see with you is you are relentless and you do no matter, you do whatever it takes. Sure. It, and it's just, I mean, I've seen what you, you know, you've done and just being connected with you and, um, and you're, I mean, it's just, it's amazing to watch, um, you, Thanks. you go through that and, um, I mean, it's just, it's, it, it truly is. And, and, uh, just seeing your posts and seeing your interviews and, um, you, you are that creative. I mean, you are like, you, you, you blow my mind when I see some of the stuff coming out of your social channels and, and things like that. <clears throat> well, I mean, again, thanks. I mean, it's super kind of you to say, uh, it's funny, you know, from my perspective, um, I really do feel like a failure, <laughs> and the, and I, and I mean that in a in a sort of a tongue in cheek way. And, and the reason I say it isn't to, to insist that I no no you're wrong. I actually am a failure. It's just that I don't I don't think there's anybody again whether they're an artist or not. I don't think there's anybody that goes, man, look at me go. I'm just killing it. You know, we're we're all sort of fighting for our space, and and we've been taught through culture that. You know, a successful person looks like X, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's, um, you know, having a successful business in the sense of having, you know, a big audience or big reach or or a product that everybody needs to buy or everybody uses, right? We spend our lives sort of commoditizing ourselves. and, And I think that, of course, is not really that wise but i think the main thing and you mentioned it a second ago is having um testicular fortitude you just have Mm -hmm. to you have to be willing to suffer for whatever it is you're doing and people forget this all the time but the word passion means to suffer Mm -hmm. you know the, the the movie the passion of the christ isn't you know isn't because jesus is love you know he loves me and can't wait to kiss me (laughs) right it's it's right it's all about him suffering for us And, but most people don't know that that's what the word means to suffer. And so they're like, oh man, I'm just so passionate about music. Okay. Well, you're going to suffer for it because if you really truly believe it's your destiny, whatever that means, then 
yeah, you're going to go through a tough road. Um, and if I may, years ago, I was listening to um, a uh, conversation, a coaching conversation by the great Miles Monroe. And it was, it was right before he was killed in a plane crash. Um, and that guy, he had lived his life, you know, in a big, big way, sort of lived it out loud. And, and it always sort of said that, um, you know, I know how long I'm going to live. I'm going to make it to my nineties. I think he got to 71, Hmm. (laughs) but, but his whole thing really, really was just pushing forward through everything and, and never really caving into, you know, the adversity around him. But he said something that stuck with me. I've never forgotten. He said, the key to success in life is to say out loud, out loud, this is who I am. This is where I'm going. And, and what you're stating to everybody in your world and the enemy, the hidden, unseen spiritual enemy that is against us, you're, you're making a proclamation that this is the direction you want to go. And only, only once you've overcome all the things that come at you from that moment on, will people believe you're sincere, meaning mm-hmm. I can try and try and try and try to be the greatest voiceover guy or the greatest podcaster, or the greatest interviewer, whatever you want to call it. But until I've done it for an extraordinary amount of time and shown people that no matter what the adversity that came, I, I'm still here. I love this so much that I'm willing to be passionate to suffer for my art. Um, that's when people will believe in you. Until then, you're just a guy trying out ideas. Well, and that's the, I mean, <clears throat> agree with you wholeheartedly on that. And that's, I mean, it's, you're, you're trying the ideas until that one idea lights the light bulb mm-hmm. and you're off and running. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I don't know how many times Edison failed. I think it was thousand yeah. or more. And I think that that's, you know, failure has been viewed so negatively in our society. And, and I think it's, it's, uh, it's starting to change. I think, you know, you see, and maybe it's just the circles we walk in, but uh, you know, when you see people failing, it's like, okay, how fast can I fail again to learn even more? Right. And, um, you know, and that's, that's one of the things I, you know, growing up, I, I came from blue, blue collar background and wasn't exposed to the, you know, self-help or coaching industry or anything like that. And, and it, it is one of the things when you think about failure is that, you know, we go from failure to failure. And <clears throat> I think Zig Ziglar said it best is, you know, failure is an event. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to remind myself of that, uh, because we can get so wrapped up in it mm-hmm. that we, it, it consumes us. And, right. and I, I don't, you know, and so I, I just think, you know, whenever I, you know, whenever we get together, you've got such a huge smile on your face. And of course I get the bear hug, which I love. And, um, but I mean, it, it's like watching you go through life is, I mean, it's a journey. I've learned a lot. Um, and, um, and then your walk with, with the man upstairs and, you know, you, you don't, when things come your way, that's a challenge. 
you know, you push through it. Um, you kick the door in sometimes. Um, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know. You know, I could talk about on this subject for forever. I mean, we could literally talk days on this because there are so many, there's so many aspects to walking through difficulty. You know, mm-hmm. part of it is really understanding identity. And, and that's something that that's, that's what I was the latest to the game, Dean. I was, I was so late to the game and understanding identity. And I, and I don't want to get religious on you here, but I, I, it is something that I did learn recently that I, I hope it's okay. I share with your audience. Um, Absolutely. But, but yeah, you know, uh, one of my, one of my best friends is actually the pastor of a church that I go to. And, you know, for years, for years, I was meeting this guy at the coffee shop. And honestly, all I was ever doing every time I met up with him was complaining. I mean, really, truly, just telling him how hard my life was and that, you know, each choice I was making, each failed choice I was making was just imploding. I was never going to break free. And my identity started to be one of a failure, meaning I really believed, oh, this is who I am. I Hmm. define failure. You know, look, look me up in the dictionary. You're going to see a photo, right? And one day after, I don't know how many times he said to me, you know what, Rob, I think you need to, I need you to understand what identity really is. And I, you know, in my jaded viewpoint, I said, well, do tell, you know, and he said, the problem is, is everybody wraps their identity up in who they think they are and what they do. And the reality is your identity is in Christ. Now, Mm -hmm. again, that, that sounds like a nebulous, okay, yeah, but what does that mean? And, and the point being is that if, if, if God is real, if I personally believe he's real, but if God is real, and if Jesus did come you know, 2,000 years ago and die on a cross, and if Jesus is the son of God, if these things are true, then that means that Dean and Rob were made for a purpose but not necessarily the purpose our culture has taught us that we are because typically mm-hmm. what happens is in culture, you know, if you're good at something, especially as a young child, then your parents or, you know, the people surrounding you say, Oh, well, okay, Robbie, you're a great drummer. You're going to grow up to be a famous drummer. And then after a while you start thinking someday I'm going to be a famous drummer. And then when you're not a famous drummer, your brain tells you you're a loser, you're a failure. Mm-hmm. And, and that's because we've wrapped up our identity in culture or in family or in possessions or in right who, who we think we are at this particular moment. If our identity is actually built inside of God, inside of Christ, then we are who we are because he loves us enough to allow us to be created, that, mm-hmm. that our mere existence is enough. Because our existence celebrates our creator. It says, he made me. He made me for a reason. He made me for somebody to love. He made me to love somebody. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And and that is why every day when I have absolute, you know, nothing going on, or when I'm frustrated over the last couple of days, like I've been here because of the snow, which keeps the kids home and then doesn't allow me to do my voiceover work. It's all these things that I start thinking like, ah, oh, man, ah, but 
what I do, Dean, is I've learned to just go to bed. Go to bed and get up tomorrow and start over. And if that means I wake up tomorrow morning and, and I still don't feel good, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stay awake as long as I can, then I'm going to go right back to bed. Because mm -hmm. I know that eventually I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be okay. And then I get to start over because I've got all the time in the world. You know? Well, I think that's, I mean, it's, um, <clears throat> so Maria has been going through some change lately and, and it, you know, and talking about the kind of the stress of the kids being home and everything. And, mm -hmm. um, and so one of the, I, you know, I could feel it building yesterday morning. I was taking her to school and dropping her off and, and, uh, and, and I just, I listened, I tried not to solve it because that probably wouldn't have went over well. But you're right. It's it's like you're going to be okay. Yeah. You're you're going to continue to take that next step, and it's it's just one of the things is we try to look so far forward into the future, which none of us can tell. I mean, what that is, but um, you know, we 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 forget that it is going to be okay. That it is yeah. going to be. Uh, you know, the sun's going to come up tomorrow, um, and it's going to go away tonight. Well, can't see it right now because of the clouds, but, right. um, so you're, you're right. I mean, it's, it's one of the things where, um, you know, I struggle, um, you know, I, I jot down what I'm grateful for. Um, and I was thinking earlier this week, I was like, why am I struggling with this? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, you know, we, we have a roof over our head. We have heat. Mm -hmm. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, we, we are blessed, you know, beyond measure and, you know, and <clears throat> I'm not sure where your port of calls were with the sub, but, uh, you know, I've been to some areas in, in the world and this is back in the nineties, but mm -hmm. they were war torn and you know, seeing people that didn't even have running water and, and I struggle with writing down three things that I'm grateful for. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, so I, I, I get what you're saying and I, you know, I understand that. And I think we do get wrapped up in our identity and it's not typically the right one. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that's, um, you know, your, your, your pastor spot on and, yeah. Uh, you know, we are here for a purpose and the purpose could be, is that, you know, it's your family, you know, you're, you're raising two beautiful kids and, um, and, you know, and, and so that, and that's where years ago, I, I had to come to that realization too, is that, you know, I'm here, my purpose, um, is, is my three sons, and right. of course, of course I have a beautiful bride as well. I, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't mention her since it's her <laughs> birthday today. Um, yes. So, uh, you know, it just, it's, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, the identity is where a lot of people struggle. Um, and I think that that's, that's one thing where, um, again, we, and, and you know, and social media doesn't help. Right. 
Uh, no, no. You're constantly being reminded that somebody else's life looks and seems better than yours, but it's nothing. It, it's right. really nothing. And, you know, it, it, it works this way at church as well. You can go to church and everybody looks like they're just completely in tune with the Holy Spirit. Everything is perfect, but they go home and yell and scream and swear at each other. You mm -hmm. know, it's life is hard, man. It's just so it hard. It's so hard to, to achieve anything. Money um, obviously does change things, but it doesn't make your life easier. It just makes it different. You know, mm -hmm. you, you just have a different set of problems. And, and, you know, in the same token, lack of money um, reminds you that um, you should be grateful for what you have. And yet, you know, it's really easy to say, yeah, but if I had just a little bit more, I would, I would be a little more comfortable. And I, I think, I think the problem, and I really, I don't know if this is cultural at all, but I, I think the problem is in America, we are taught that comfort is the destination. We mm. want to retire comfortably. We want to, you know, we want to get to the point where we're 65, you know, hopefully we still have a, a pension or social security and that we've saved up enough money to buy an RV and drive around the country until we get cancer and die. And I, I, I know that sounds really jaded and, um, but, but that is typically the end game. That's what people are seeking, you know, some, mm -hmm. some, some variation on that. Or, you know, I'm going to be an expat and move to Thailand and live inexpensively, right? But, but it always has to do some, somehow with, with um, travel and, you know, savings and hopefully you've saved up enough. And, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing those things, but I'm saying that what really matters is who you surround yourself with. And doing the thing you love, despite how much money you'll make at it, because if you fail, you fail. You're not going to make any money anyway. You might as well do what you love. You might sure. as well just do that. Because you know what? It, 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 to quote, uh, what's his name? Uh, Steve uh, Harvey. You know, he talks about that in that famous video he did called Jump on YouTube, if, if you mm -hmm. haven't seen it. Um, yeah, you'll never know what your life has for you unless you jump off that cliff. You you have to take an unseen risk. And, and that means you might have to knit that parachute on the way down. And it, you might have to bounce off the rocks. I don't know, but you'll never know what life has for you unless you step into who you are, not trying to be anything else anybody tells you to be. It just doesn't matter what they want you to be you've got to be you exactly and they aren't even paying attention to you i mean that no that that's the um no that's the sad part <laughs> i mean at the end of the day you know we think oh everybody's watching us and seeing this and 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 i can't remember who made the comment to me um you know it's like well, like you were saying just be you uh and, and it kind of it kind of brought me back to the ground a little bit and they they're, they're like well nobody's watching anyway so just be you i'm like yeah yeah very yeah. true uh you know before uh before i met you i i owned a i owned an insurance company and i i ran that for seven years and i actually did really well and i hated every second of it 
I, I, I did really well financially. I, I had a lot of local influence. Uh, you know, people knew who I was. I was building mm-hmm. my book. Things were going really well. But I just had this inkling that I didn't belong. So I, I sold it. And, uh, you know, I spent the next year sort of, you know, analyzing and sort of reconfiguring my life. And one of the agents I knew really well, I spent a a ton of time with this guy. He's actually a business partner of mine for a brief period of time in the mid 2000s when we were buying real estate together. And he called me up and I'm not going to give his name, um, but he said, hey, Rob, how you doing? I said, I'm I'm good. I'm good. How are you? And he said, I'm good. Uh, What are you doing now? And it occurred to me because he, he has since said it three or four different times. Every time I call him, what are you doing now? He's, he's assuming that I will never, ever have any quote unquote success because I can't sit still. I can't stick with something long enough where I'm doing what you said. I discover, oh, this doesn't work for me. So I fail fast. Right. But most people don't Mm -hmm. understand that. They think you don't give it enough time. No, I know it doesn't work for me. So I'm out. I'm out instantly. But most people, including your best friends, will judge you and they'll say, oh, that Rob. And and, and, and interestingly enough, 10 years from now, when I'm sitting on the success I've dreamt of and, you know, and, and hopefully the monetary success, I admit, I, I dream of, as well. but, but whatever I'm sitting on, you know what they're going to say? We always knew Rob would make it. They're, they're all going to say that because they, that's what you say. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is no, they don't think I'm going to make it. They don't think that at all. They think I'm going to fail my whole life. That way they can say at my funeral, Rob would have been fine if he would just pick something. And it's, and it's because the world is afraid and the people that love you only love you so much. Most people don't really pay attention. They just, right. they just, they're just trying to get through themselves and, and God forbid you're successful. Then that shines a light on their lack of success. So I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I know I'm all over the map today and I apologize because being on this side of the mic is actually terrifying. I, I'm surprised. How hard, <laughs> I'm surprised how hard this is because I, I don't have the, the, the sexy answers, you know, I, lots of ums and ahs and, and, and bad dead spots. But you know, the fact is Dean, I, I'm relatively happy. I, there's a lot of times I don't like myself. I don't like my direction. But I do know that if I go to sleep when I'm having a bad day and I wake up, I know tomorrow at least gives me a shot to try again. And Mm -hmm. the beauty of how I'm programmed, right or wrong, is that I don't ever stop. And there's going to come a moment when it all connects. It's all going to happen. And that's why I keep getting up. That's why I keep doing it. I don't think it's going to change my life. I don't think it's necessarily going to make my life better. I don't think I'm going to say, um, oh, great, I've created my legacy. I don't think any of those things are going to occur. But I do like the fact that I know, even if I die today, that there's 190, 200 podcast interviews there's books, there's all these things I've done over the years that exist on the internet. And the internet may change in the future, but someday my great-grandchildren who didn't even meet me will be able to hear what their great-grandfather sounded like. Mm -hmm. And that's something neither you or I can ever say. We have no idea 
what those people looked like or sounded like. And they'll be able to have that. And if that's my only legacy, that's pretty badass, man. It is. I mean, it's, <clears throat> but you know, one of the things that I know you, you didn't mention is all the people that you've impacted yeah. over the course of your life and, and will continue to impact. I mean, I, I know the impact you have on people's lives. I, I I'm living it and, and it's really, you know, you're right. Our grandkids, grandkids, you know, we'll be able to hear and even see, cause I know you do video with your podcasts, mm-hmm. uh, you know, great grandpa, Rob Leland. Wait, did I just say that? Oh. You did. <laughs> <laughs> you did it uh, right, buddy. You did it right. <laughs> um, and it's just amazing, right? Because it is, uh, you know, I know one of the, they're, they're creating, uh, I can't remember which organization is, is doing it, but they're trying to create or have created, um, uh, you know, World War II um, video, uh, kind of like a scrapbook, and they're doing mm-hmm. it for Korea, Vietnam, and as well. And so, you know, trying to capture that history, trying to capture who you are, and and they're going to hear you, see you, and uh, and you can be pretty animated, and, and mm-hmm. you know, it it's going to be amazing that they're going to be able to do that. And uh, yeah, you know, it. I mean, you're you're an amazing man, mister. And, uh, uh, I don't know. It's, it, it's funny. I mean, I, I look, I, I really appreciate what you said, Dean. And, and look, here's the thing. When I'm down, I will say this, I'm going to, I'm going to say something that I'm going to absolutely embarrass myself right now because, but this is a truth. This is something I have felt many times, you know, you and I met and, um, you had mentioned just now that, you know, like you feel like you're living it, that I, that I had some impact on your life, whether small or big, you know, all I know is you're my friend, but I know over the years, especially when RSI was really active and that, uh, for the listeners, RSI was, and, and hopefully will come again, um, was a, uh, a group of business leaders and, and locals that were trying to change each other's lives, you know, build and develop each other, sort of a, a mastermind, uh, you know, big brain think tank uh, to help local business leaders thrive and also impact our community. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys do that and that's fine. I never, ever felt like I did anything of value. I, and, and it's mostly because I, I think I, I desperately, this is so pathetic, but I, I needed to know, I needed somebody to tell me that, oh man, Rob, you, you changed my life today. Or, oh man, Rob, you know, thank you so much for doing this and that. But interestingly enough, when I, when I look back at it all, I know I did. I, mm-hmm. I, I impacted a whole bunch of lives. <laughs> interestingly, in the same token, because I have gone through some significant tribulation over the last 12 years, that's been the one thing I've always looked back on and complained about that. Oh man. I mean, how come nobody looks out for me? <laughs> you know, the I'm, I'm looking out for everybody. I'm connecting the dots. I'm introducing into amazing people. I'm helping them make money. I'm making their lives better. Their businesses better, et cetera, et cetera. How come nobody does it for me? And I'm not saying that people didn't do it, but that was my chief complaint. You know, like why isn't anybody looking out for me? And I know people look out for me. I know you look out for me. 
But if there's any one thing I could say today as a takeaway from what this meeting is or is about is that we all need to have relationships that are there no matter what, that exist no matter how thin you are, how weak you are, how angry you are, how successful you are, all the, all the isms of the human experience What's important is how much do we love on each other? How much are we willing to cover each other? How much are we willing to protect each other? It's mm -hmm. really just about us. And ultimately, I think in a perfect world, if we develop these relationships and we stick it out long enough, we'll find that we are each other's champions. Mm -hmm. That's what we need. You want to leg up? Build a long-term relationship and that person becomes your champion. And then when you need it, they'll be there for you. Uh, that, that is very profound and very true. I mean, when you think about just, you know, who you've impacted and, and, and a lot of times, Rob, we never know no. the true impact of what we we've did or, or, or done for them. Yeah. Um, you know, but. You know, I think there's like, th there's very few people in my Rolodex. It's an iPhone, actually, not, not a real Rolodex. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Uh, that I can call. And yeah, it may go to voicemail, but if I leave a voicemail and say, hey, I, I need some help, I, I know you'll call. Yeah. 100%. Or, or you, you know, and, and just knowing that about you and who you are, you know, it, it it is, and I'm not the only one that I know you've got, you know, other, you know, good friends that, you know, if, if they call and say, Hey, I need, I need help. You'll be there. And, and I just, I, that's what I love about you. I mean, you, you, like when you send me a text, Hey buddy, love you. I'm like, Whoa, okay. Yep. Yeah, yep. You know, and I, and then I'm thinking, gosh, when's the last time I reached out to Rob and <laughs> it's, you know, but you know, we, we give ourselves grace. And just knowing that, you know, we, I guess where I'm going with this is, is we share each other's burdens when we need to, right. When, when that help is needed and uh, lifting them up in prayer and just, you know, a good friend of mine, uh, another good friend of mine is going through some issues right now. And, and I think it was Sunday night called and, um, and I was like, oh, you know, and, and I was in the middle of something, but like, no, wait, this is kind of odd that he's calling. So yeah. I, you know, and we talked and, um, and so, but I know with you, it's the same way. If I call, if I text, um, you're there and yeah. thanks. It's just, it's, it, you're, yeah, you're one of the coolest people on the face of the earth that I know. <laughs> Well, my ego is exploding right now. I, you know, um, yeah, Dean, you know what? Thanks so much. I, I'll probably never really understand. I mean, none, I don't think any of us really will understand who we are in, in the grand scheme of things. It's, 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 it's right. It's always hindsight. That's, that's mm -hmm. how, that's how it all works. There's no such thing as knowing you're in the middle of the zeitgeist until you're past the zeitgeist. When you look back and say, oh man, I was on top. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a strange thing, but yeah, I think the key is to just, again, to surround yourself with people 
not yes men, but people that love you despite your worst proclivities, you know, your idiosyncratic ways, um, your arrogance, your, uh, you know, your know-it-allism, you know, the, your BS, just all of it. Um, it's really easy too. the, the older you get, or, you know, or the intelligence you build up over the course of time, um, you start using that against yourself, right? You start using it to justify behaviors or to poo-poo other people's perspectives of you. And, and I think, again, what we all really need in life is um, the innocence of children. We mm -hmm. need to, we need to, to come home and play. We need to just be satisfied with the moment and, and know that the moment is there for you, you know, and, and something that popped into my head the other day, um, I posted uh, on my social media channels, which was, you know, this idea that, you know, our marriages and our family lose to ambition all the time. Hmm. And, and that's because guys like us, and I'm not speaking to you as though, you know, I'm talking to you directly about this, but guys like us, we're always hard charging. We're always looking you know, we're looking to win. We're looking to succeed. We're looking to influence. We're looking to raise up. We're, we're just looking to move forward and to keep moving up because we know mm -hmm. that incrementally over time, we get higher and higher and higher. It's just how it works. Um, but that ambition when treated poorly, when, when time isn't managed correctly, you're going to lose everything else for that ambition. Mm -hmm. And so really finding the mix, there is no, there is no perfect mix. To, you know, this idea of work-life balance is kind of bull crap. Uh, you go to work, go to work. When you come home, come home. Um, it's really hard to turn off the working brain. And then mm -hmm. when you're playing, it's really hard to turn on the working brain. But this is, this is our conundrum. This is our life. So, you know, I would encourage everyone, you, yourself included, and I have to do this for myself, which is, you know, I want to keep driving, but I got to slow down and just love my kids right now at the age they're at, because they're never going to be this age again. And I need to mm -hmm. love my wife right now where she's at, because she's never going to be this person again. And, and, and you can't sit around. And I failed in my first marriage because I sat around waiting for my wife to say she loved me. Hmm. I, I, I would say, you know, you know, it's the, the old Pat thing straight from the movies, right? You say, I love you. And they say, I love you too. But there came a time, Dean, when I stopped saying, I love you. And I did that because I thought if I, if I sort of play hard to get, she'll eventually say she loves me. But the reality was me playing hard to get was, was, uh, you know, I was authorizing her an exit. Hmm. Because the one thing we're commanded as men of faith, we lead our families. That doesn't mean we're better than or above our wives, but we lead our families. And if we lead our families through dissonance and ignorance and, and right, and this idea of turning an eye away from a problem or a need, um, we're going to bear the brunt of that, that lack of care. Mm -hmm. And and that's where divorce happens. That's where marriages fall apart. That's where infidelities occur. And, and I mean, again, I, I know you didn't ask me this question, but we are required. 
we are required to be all in all the time, all in for our work. When we come home, we're supposed to be all in for our family. And I fail that every day. I want to swear right now, and <laughs> but I, I don't want to. I don't want the audience to be confused. He was talking about Jesus one moment, and he's saying "motherfucker" the second moment. I don't know. <laughs> Excuse my language. You'll have to edit that part out, I guess. But I, I, I guess I'm just trying to say that it's just hard to be anybody. Mm-hmm. But but if you can just go to bed when you're upset and frustrated, and know you're going to wake up tomorrow you get a step back into being who you are. And as long as you focus on the people around you, when, when you have the moment to do so, do it because your ambition will destroy your life. If you're not cautious. Absolutely agree with that. Pride comes before the fall. Right. And yeah. Yeah. It's always, <clears throat> it's just, I mean, it, it is, uh, you know, there, I don't know if this phrase is still, but you know, when I first got married, a few, few years ago, you know, they always said, Oh, marriage is 50, 50. Uh, no, it's not. It's a hundred, a hundred. And there's no, um, you know, you're, you're all in, like you said, with, with the kids, with the family, with, um, you know, and it's just, I mean, just profound wisdom today. And that, you know, as we, as we land the plane or, or, I guess, bring the sub to the pier. Uh, uh, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm getting negative thoughts here, buddy. I'm getting I'm reminded of the time. <laughs> I was reminded of the time when I missed the, I, I missed the ship movement and got in a ton of trouble. Oh, uh, no. Oh, oh yeah. That, yeah. That, that's a, yeah. that's a story for another time. <laughs> that, that That's never a good feeling as you're walking up to the pier and you're like, uh, the, the, the boat was just here what, yeah what, yeah what i mean it only moved uh it only moved one uh one pier over but it was uh it was a very very bad moment because uh if for anybody in the military they know you cannot do that um or there will be hell to pay and i was actually on a weekend up to myrtle beach i was stationed in south carolina at the time in, in charleston and i went up to myrtle beach and um our car broke down and, um, and, yeah. and, and I called the chief, the chief of the boat and told him the situation. He said, well, you know, you, you've got to get back. So you've got watch, you've got all the other things, but I just thought, Hey, he doesn't know. I know this is so insane. He doesn't know. I can't get back because, um, I mean, he won't know if I right. just pretend like, Oh, I just, Oh, I couldn't, we couldn't get the car fixed. There was just no way, you know, there was no bus. There was no way to get back. He'll somehow he'll let it go. And, uh, yeah, it was not, it was not a good experience when I got back and, and got taken to the cleaners and almost went to captain's mast over it. Yeah. That is no fun. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it, you know, missing ships movement, troop movement. It, it just, I remember, you know, with, uh, uh, cause I was one of my duties on the ships was, um, uh, at arms as well. And so I remember, oh, you know, wow. the, the folks who missed ships movement and, and then, you know, had to get their way to the, to the next port or, um, you know, and then walking on board and, uh, basically saying, well, you're, you're restricted to the ship, um, you know, and then, you know, determining whatever the XO was going to do. Right. Um, it, uh, that's one of the things that, I don't know when we had ships movement or, or we knew we were leaving, it's like, I don't know if I set two or three alarms because I always had that 
that inkling, that feeling, you know, I was just going to miss the ship's movement or, or they'd be pulling the, the brow away as, as I'm running <laughs> up and like, uh, yeah, we can't set this back down. Sorry. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're, if you're not in the military, you have no idea of the existential dread we have over, over missing those basic maneuvers, but they are terrifying. You, you, you do learn how to live your life, not fully asleep. You know, that's, and then you learn also learn how to fall asleep in any given scenario, whether it's, you know, I know in a sub it's a little tougher, but you know, I remember falling asleep with a huge life jacket on and 110 degree heat. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, Yeah. it's, uh, well, brother, this has been amazing. I, I, I can't thank you enough. Um, you're again, you're, you're a rock star superhero in my mind and many others mind. Um, and if you haven't listened to Rob on his podcast, please go. Uh, you're on Apple, iTunes, and where else, Rob? I'm everywhere. Spotify, iHeartRadio, Deezer, you know, you name it. I'm on every major modcast, uh, podcast provider, um, as well as uh, I have a video channel on YouTube. It's all under Rockstar Superhero. So if you look it up, you'll, you'll find me. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys checking it out. I mean, if... Uh... If he's not in your life at this point, he needs to be. And uh, <clears throat> well, Rob, again, it, it's been great uh, to reconnect. And uh, I get through this, uh, well, whatever remainder of this COVID stuff that I've got, uh, we need to grab that coffee. And uh, I'll even, uh, this time I won't forget my wallet. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds perfect. And, and and Dean, thank you for allowing me to be a guest today and honestly allowing me to be a very schizophrenic in my responses. I, uh, I admit I'm nervous. Like I said, being on this side of the mic is a very strange experience. Um, this is only the second time in my life I've ever been interviewed. So it's a very, very odd thing. But um, I hope your listeners uh, got something out of it. And if anything, what I certainly got is a nice, big, puffed up ego. So Thank you. Thank you, my friend, for being fantastic. I love you dearly. Um, You are a rock star and a superhero to me as well. And um, I look forward to seeing you very soon. And happy birthday to your wife and happy holidays to everybody listening. Love you guys. Likewise. Thank you for listening to From Battle to Business podcast with your host, Dean Van Dyke and Mr. Rob Leland. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. In order to help others, please subscribe and share this show up with other veteran business owners in your network. If you want specific guidance, feel free to book a complimentary call with Dean at DeanVanDyke.com. Remember, you wouldn't go into battle alone, and now you don't have to in business.